as Pastor Chris had mentioned, this past couple days, our kids were at camp, and uh, God did a great work there. I, my wife and I had planned on going, but we weren't able to uh, due to the um, funeral service of Beth Merrick. And uh, I want to thank our church family for praying for the Merrick family, praying for Bob and uh, their children, their grandchildren. And uh, I also want to thank the ladies that served uh, during a luncheon for them as well uh, this past Friday. And I just so much appreciate our church. Uh, so much was going on. Our kids were at camp and funeral service was taking place. Ladies had a, a, a their Bible study taking place and, and uh, people were just all over. And um, God was blessing and doing a great work. And while our kids were away at camp, several of our own uh, uh, students that were there uh, trusted Christ as their Savior. And I know from other churches that were there, um, the same story, they, their students trusted Christ as their Savior. So we'll, get, we'll give you more of a testimony about that. And I think they're putting a video together. And, and uh, maybe next week, we'll, we'll give you some more information about that. But I want to thank you for praying. I think it was 1999. Is that, is that uh, 22 years ago? Is my math right? 1999, I was a youth pastor. I took kids to camp, High Point, in Pennsylvania. And there was this uh, speaker there. The guy that was speaking was Eric Capace. And uh, I, uh, I fell in love with that, uh, his preaching with him. And, and our kids loved him. And they would every summer go to camp and he'd preach. And that went on for several years. And... Um, I've had uh, Eric here preaching the last few years. He normally comes in our fifth Sunday in March, and uh, we uh, have a great crowd, a great service, lunch afterwards. This past year, he was scheduled to come in, but COVID uh, caused him not to be able to be here. And uh, as we were just praying through and thinking through who to, who to ask to come preach for our camp, um, his name came up, and, and uh, he agreed to stay over and preach for us here on Sunday morning as well. And uh, Pastor Capace preaches in Hot Springs, Arkansas. He pastors a church there. How long have you been there at that church? 28, 28 years. He's been there 28 years. God's doing a great, great work there. And uh, many souls have been saved over those 28 years. He has a Bible college um, that uh, they started. And um, uh, just doing a, a wonderful work for the Lord. They even got 18 inches of snow this past week. And so um, you pray for him because they don't know what to do with 18 inches of snow. I told him that we got 18 inches of snow as well, and it's almost gone. And uh, he said it's still there in Arkansas. So you pray, you pray for him. And, um, but I'm glad that he's here. And uh, Pastor Pace, would you come preach for us this morning? And would you welcome him as he comes and preaches for us? Thank you, brother. Love you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm honored to be back here at uh, this great church, and we've had a great week. You can be so proud of your leadership team here, especially all those that worked with the youth, because I'm going to tell you it was a magnificent camp. And uh, just the, the worship, the organization, the game time, all of it was wonderfully hosted by your church, and there were so many others that came and benefited from that. And so there's just, as already the pastors have said and pastors said, uh, it's been an amazing weekend. And I'm honored to have been here and to be a part of it, just a small part. And uh, thank you so much. And we did have 18 inches of snow, which is, which is crazy. I mean, we, we've, I've lived in Arkansas, started the church uh, 28 years ago. It's a church plant. And I've, that's the, all I've ever known. I've, I've, I've pastored one church. It's the one I'm, I'm pastoring now. And in 28 years, I remember a couple of snows, you know, just a couple of sprinkles, you know. 
But 18 inches, you talk about crippling our town, uh, just shut it down uh, for, for a week. And uh, so it was, it was odd that it happened on the, on the snow camp week that, uh, that was going on here. So I was a, a little bit late, but I got here and I'm grateful to be here and excited about it. So thank you so much. And of course, as always, I like to mention if you are ever, just because you've been such a hospitable church to me, uh, if you're ever in or around Arkansas, uh, we would invite you to come and visit us at Hot Springs at Gospel Light and Champion and just, just be a part of our work there. And, and we would uh, be honored to host you there in our, in our beautiful town. So thank you, Pastor, for having me again. Dinner last night was awesome with your son and great fellowship. And the room was magnificent. All of it just been A++++. So thank you. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Kings. And I'd like to ask you to turn to chapter number 19. An Old Testament passage, but in many ways, a New Testament message. And I'm excited about this because what I'm going to do is take what was and has been the theme of Gospel Light uh, in 2021. It's been near and dear to my heart, uh, this, this theme, this idea of discipleship and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in in trying times. You know, that's to say the least. I mean, these are very unusual days that we are living in for a number of reasons. And without going into any of that detail, because I think everyone would have you know their, their own uh, ideas about that. I, I, but I think we'd all agree. It's just been a very, 2020 was an unusual year and all that we experienced. But one thing I think we would also agree on is that there's never been a day in history that Christians need to be more clear about their devotion to Jesus Christ than today. And I think that can be found in this idea of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about the subject of discipleship. Because our Lord told us in His Great Commission that we were to go and make disciples. So I want to explain what a disciple is. If I was to entitle the message, it might be, uh, you know, what is a disciple? And then I want to encourage you this morning to become a disciple. And also the next step would be to become a maker of disciples. We just got back from snow camp. So what you're going to hear is a lot of talk about decisions. And, And that's okay. That's a great thing. Uh, there were many decisions made at snow camp. In fact, on a Friday night, I actually, we had a great altar call and hundreds of young, well, I say hundred, dozens, it was a couple hundred kids there, but dozens of young people were at the altar. And, and I just took some time to kneel down beside many of them and say, hey, what is it God's doing in your heart? And they would, man, total transparency, share with me. There was an openness at the camp. And then I would have a chance to pray with them about that decision they were making at the camp. You know, when I was growing up as a young person, I remember a lot of evangelists coming through our church when I was a young person. And they would often say, uh, you know, yes, in our last meeting, in our last revival, the evangelists would report that they had, you know, uh, 40 decisions were made at the altar. And again, nothing wrong with making decisions. But the Bible doesn't talk about making decisions. The Bible talks about making decisions disciples. And if you want to see if anything real or lasting or holy was done, don't count the decisions. Come back later 
and count the disciples. Decisions can oftentimes be made. And I say this with great inspiration to our young people today who made decisions. And this was also addressed at the camp. It was addressed at the camp by one of the speakers as we were, I think it may have been Pastor Chris, who basically just brought the fact up that, hey, let's all be challenged to come back next year with this same fire and dedication that we have right now. Because sometimes decisions can be a momentary thing. But when you become a disciple, that's a lasting thing. That's something that doesn't just happen in a moment, but it happens over a lifetime. So let's come back and see if people are still following the Lord Jesus Christ. The passage that I have before you this morning from the Old Testament is an episode in the life of one of God's prophets whose name was Elijah and another whose name was Elisha. So I have to be very careful as I speak this morning because I want to be quick to identify in the story Elijah or Elisha. Elisha was a disciple of Elijah. And as we look into this relationship, we see something that teaches us how we are to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came in the spirit of Elijah. That is to say that Elijah pictures or typifies the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus talked to his disciples about discipleship, they would have had this Old Testament story in the back of their minds. Because you got to realize that's all they had was the Old Testament when Jesus would talk about discipleship. And the fact that Jesus came in the spirit of Elijah, they would have been thinking about Elijah and Elisha. And so I want to give you five basic things that are true in the life of a disciple. And my prayer this morning is that God would make these things true in your heart and in your life in these incredibly difficult and unusual days that we're living in. So number one, are you ready? Very simply, five things, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll be brief this morning, but I think each of these kind of have their own little challenge. Number one, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we see in the text that we're about to read, there is, first of all, a person to please. Every disciple has someone who they desire to please above all else. Verse number 19, 1 Kings chapter 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha. Elijah did. Elijah found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. So Elisha had 12 yoke of oxen. This was his livelihood. This would have been his life. This would have been what he was following after. His, his livelihood is 12 yoke of oxen. And the Bible says he was plowing with these oxen and, and, and he with the 12. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. That is to say, follow me. And he left the oxen, Elisha did. And he runs after Elijah. And he says, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, go back again. For what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen, the 12 yoke of oxen that he had. And he actually slew that yoke of oxen. He boiled their flesh. He didn't just slay them. He boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and he gives them to the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Wow, what an account, what a story. 
You see, the, the, the picture here is this. When Elisha had the mantle of Elijah to fall upon him, he took that mantle and, he was, and Elijah was saying, I want you to come and follow me. So what is a disciple? A disciple is one who follows his master. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is one who is dedicated to a person above everything else. You see, this morning, I'm not calling you to a movement. I'm not calling you to a plan. I'm calling you to a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we're called to this morning. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 19, we see the New Testament account of Jesus calling these men to follow him. He says in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 4, he says, follow me, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And just like Elisha followed Elisha, they straightway, they immediately left their nets, their oxen, if you will, and followed him. And going up from thence, he saw two other men, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the ship with Zebedee, their father. They were mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Quick question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Now, wait a minute. Before you answer that question just casually, are you really? Are you really a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean this. Is Jesus Christ the one person that you desire to please above everyone else? More than your parents, kids. More than your employer, more than your spouse, more than your boyfriend, more than your girlfriend, more than your coach, more than your accountant, more than the crowd. Is your life consumed with a burning desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a little different than just asking, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you truly? Notice again what it says to the last part of the text in 1 Kings chapter 19, the one we read just a moment ago. The last part of verse 21 says something very interesting. It says this in your King James. It says, then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Another translation uses the word assisted him. Are you assisting Jesus Christ? Are you his servant? Are, are you truly ministering to Jesus are you doing that? Are you here to please him in all that you do? Notice Elisha, it wasn't that he didn't have anything else to do. Elisha had 12 yoke of oxen. Elisha had a lot to do. But he was willing to leave personal relationships and personal reputation and personal riches. He was willing to leave possessions and position and parents. He left all. He didn't follow Jesus because he had nothing to do. He followed Jesus because it was the most important thing. He realized that was the most important thing to please Jesus Christ. And I have found this. If you please Jesus, it doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease Jesus, it doesn't matter who you please. You've got to please Jesus above all else. So first of all, if you would be a disciple of Jesus Christ, my challenge to you this morning is this. There is a person to please night and day above everyone else. And that's Jesus. Number two. Secondly, if you were to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, not only is there a person to please, but secondly, I need to inform you that there is a price to pay. There's a price to pay. There is no easy way. There is no cheap way. There is no lazy way to be a disciple 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for a cheap way, if you're looking for a lazy way, if you're looking for an easy way, then you'll never be a disciple because there is no cheap or easy way. It costs Elisha and it will cost you and it will cost me dearly. In fact, in Luke chapter number 14, Jesus put it like this. There was a great multitude with him, and Jesus turned to them and said these amazing, stunning words. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, this is really in the Bible, and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now let's clear the air just for a moment. Because the word hate here is used in a comparative sense. It's, it's hyperbole, if you will. The truth is, when you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, when you love him more than anything else, you actually love your wife, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister more. Amen. When you love Jesus with all your heart, you love others more. But sometimes what Jesus is saying, when your love for him is what it ought to be, sometimes in comparison to other loves, it looks like hate. Wow. There's a person to please. And there's a price to pay because you cannot serve two masters. Nothing can come before me and Jesus. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you willing to pay a price? if it inconveniences you to be a Christian. And by the way, it's becoming very inconvenient to be a Christian in America today. If it inconveniences you to come to church. I want to say this this morning. It's an incredible crowd. And with everything going on in our world today, to see a crowd of this magnitude and this size, I I told uh, my wife, I said, I'm interested to see how many people actually come to church on the week that we had 18 inches of snow and there's still snow on the ground. It's not going to be super convenient to come to church this morning in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Maybe it's going to be a little easier to roll over and go back to bed this Sunday morning. But I wonder how easy it'll be on Monday morning to roll over and just not go to work. You see, the truth of the matter is, is sometimes we pastors actually, we, we, we thank our people for things like braving the rain. You know, thank you for braving the rain. I know it was tough. I know you got a little wet on the way in. And I'm being a little sarcastic, and I, I don't mean that to, to, to insult anyone. I'm just saying that I don't know if we really understand when we talk about paying a price to serve Jesus Christ. For instance, for an illustration would be this. I'll use me. Sometimes when I am standing in the back on a Sunday morning after I preach at Gospel Light, people will leave the church and thank me for the price I've paid to be a pastor. I got to thinking about it. I've never missed a meal. I sleep in a soft bed. I live in an air-conditioned house I've not been to jail yet for my faith, yet. I've not yet shed a drop of blood for my Lord. I'm going to tell you, I don't think I know much about paying a price to serve Jesus. And I don't think much of, uh, much of Christendom in America understands what I mean by that. But, but I think we need to be willing to do that and understand that maybe the price may become much higher to be a disciple. 
when I was uh, uh, visiting a third world country recently uh, on a missions trip uh, pre-COVID, we went, I took my boys to Papua New Guinea. And it's a tough, it's a tough mission field. And it, it's, it's unclean and it's a third world country, which by the way, I would recommend every parent to take their teenage child to a third world country before they actually reach adulthood. It's a life-changing experience and it helps them to put things in perspective, especially when it comes to paying a price. So I'm there, you know, we flew in a beautiful airplane. We were staying in a decent hotel with armed guards. I mean, it was really interesting, but this is how it works with American, you know, missionary guests. You know, they, they take care of you and they protect you and they, they give you a different kind of food and, and you feel somewhat spoiled, but you watch what these others are going through to come to the meeting. In fact, I shook the hands of one Papua New Guinean pastor and I thanked him for coming to the meeting. He said, oh no, thank you, sir. I said, no, thank you. He was barefoot. His feet were cut and bleeding and he looked awful. He didn't seem to bother him at all. He said, I, I walked seven miles to come to the meeting today. And I'm going to sleep in the church so I don't have to go back and walk another seven miles tomorrow. And he was speaking, of course, in a different dialect that I'm speaking now. But I began to realize, you know, I don't think I really have a clue of what it means to pay a price to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But I do know this, that whatever price it is that I need to pay, if it means I've got to, you know, like I was, it was, it was interesting. And I, and I mean this in a, in a loving way. I really, you should have heard the introduction I got uh, Friday. It was such a sweet introduction. Pastor Capace has traveled all day. He's been in an airplane. He drove three hours from the Detroit airport just to be here with you young people. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's talking about me. You know, I didn't do that, but I'm thinking it really wasn't all that tough. You know, I had Starbucks in the airport. You know, I was kicking back, you know, talking to my wife, getting a little work done. Actually, it was kind of nice to have some time away. And I'm thinking, you know, it really wasn't that difficult. But you know what? If that's what I had to do, then praise God, I got to sacrifice a little bit to come to Monclover Road and to preach to teenagers in the middle of nowhere. Amen. My point is this. There is a person to please. There is a price to pay. Someone asked a missionary and his wife, do you and your wife like being missionaries? Do you like your work? And they were not prepared for the answer that he gave. The missionary said, you asked us if we like this work? No. My wife and I do not like dirt. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. We do not like associating with ignorant, filthy, brutish people. But as a man... To do nothing for Christ he does not like? God pity such a one. Like or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go and we go. Love constrains us to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. A disciple is someone who has a person to please, a price to pay. Number three. The third thing I see in the story is this. A disciple says there is a purpose to pursue. There's a purpose, and I've got to get a bulldog grip on that purpose and pursue that purpose for the rest of my life. Now look at uh, 2 Kings, if you would. If you want to fast forward with me to 2 Kings and look at verse 1 of chapter number 2. It came to pass, when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha 
from Gilgal. Now check this out. This is one of the most strangest passages I've ever seen, but I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna help us all to, to come to a, a, a really cool conclusion about this purpose that Elisha was pursuing. Are you ready? Here it is. Verse two. So Elijah says to Elisha, <clears throat> he says, tarry here or stay here. Stay here, Elisha. I pray thee for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. So picture this. Elijah says to Elisha, don't come with me. Don't follow me. Stay here. I'm going to Bethel, but I don't want you to go. That's what he says. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. Sorry, Elijah, you ain't getting rid of me. I'm following you. And he did. Skip down to verse four. For whatever reason, Elijah tries it again. It looks like he's trying to get rid of Elisha. It looks like he's just trying, like, I'm just tired of this little runt following me everywhere I go. It's ridiculous. I'm so tired of it. This guy's getting on my nerves. He follows me everywhere I go. Follow, 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 follow. You know, kind of like that song. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere. I will follow on. And it's a cute little song, but it's true. That's what Jesus wants from us. Follow, 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 follow. But Elijah is acting like, I am so tired of this guy. Every time I turn around, there he is. And Elijah says to Elijah, don't come, tarry here, stay here, I pray thee. For the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I will not leave you. So they both went to Jericho. Again, verse six, I'm sorry, it happened again. I hate to be repetitive. I'm just, I'm just preaching the text. And Elijah says, tarry, I pray thee here. For the Lord is sending me to Jordan, but I don't want you to go. And he says, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. And they too went on. What is this all about, church? What is this? The idea here is this, that the master is testing the disciple. He's seeing how serious he really is. Elijah is acting as if he wants to get away from him. And Elisha says, uh-uh, where you go, I'm going. Can I propose this to you this morning? That sometimes the master will test us too. Sometimes Jesus will test us. God sometimes seems reluctant to bless us. God sometimes seems reluctant to want to come alongside us. It's all throughout scripture. In Mark chapter seven, we see this really rude account, it seems, where you've got this woman, this Syrophoenician woman with a demon-possessed daughter. And she says, Jesus, please, I beg you, heal my daughter. And Jesus makes this unusual statement about, you know, I got to feed the children first and there's crumbs under the table. And I'm like, Jeez. Well, Jesus, I mean, she's, she's in a rough spot. And then she says, I'm good with the crumbs. I'll take the crumbs as long as you'll touch my daughter. And Jesus says, I've not seen such faith. He seemed reluctant, but he wasn't. He was testing her. We see it also in the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel of Yahweh. And here this, this angel is, is wrestling with a mere mortal man. Come on, church. The angel could have destroyed him. I read a story in the Old Testament where one angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. I really don't think he's going to have a problem with one dude. 
But here they are wrestling and gin, and the, and, the, and the angel says, let me go, let me go, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. We see the story also in Jesus walking with two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says that Jesus like makes as if he would have gone a little further. He's like, see you guys, I, I'm, I'm kind of bored. I think I'll move on. I mean, you guys have been nice to talk to, but I, I'm going to head out. He makes as if he would have gone farther. But what does the scripture says? It says they constrained him to stay with them. And believe me, it didn't take much constraining. Jesus said, okay. Thank you. Sometimes he seems reluctant. You'll find it all through Scripture, all through the Bible. You'll see these instances where you're like, that was kind of weird. Why did Jesus do that? He was testing. the How serious are you about really following Jesus? There are many examples of this. There is a purpose to pursue. If you would be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you must have a burning, blazing, passionate persistence to follow him. I say this to our young people today who came to camp. And man, I saw this burning, blazing passion as the week went on. And we were so amazed at what happened. Church, I want you to know it was amazing. I mean, young people all up at the front worshiping, hands lifted high. I mean, it was, I, I, I understand youth Maybe worship slightly different than adults. I get that. There's, there's times where that could look a little different. But I, I, I was loving it. And I was just taking it in. And I was praying for the crowd as I was standing towards the back. Oh, God, may this not just be a weekend thing. May this be the passion and the heart cry of young people. And may moms and dads fuel that fire. Because I want you to know, this wasn't just a weekend little quick fix. I'm praying it, it's a lifetime decisions that these young people are going to pursue the purpose for which God has called them to. They'll be laughed at if they follow the Lord Jesus Christ in these days more and more. But are you willing to be a disciple? There's a person to please, a price to pay, a purpose to pursue. Number four, almost done. Two more. There is a promise to plead. I want you to see it in the text. It's pretty amazing. Elijah says to Elisha in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 2. Look at the text in verse 9. Interesting. It comes to pass when they were gone over that Elijah says to Elisha. This is an interesting little conversation. Elijah asks Elijah, what do you want? What shall I do for thee? Before I be taken away from thee. You guys know that Elisha, or rather Elijah, was going to be what? Taken away. He wasn't going to die. He was going to, he came, that's why Jesus came in the spirit of Elijah. You see all of these comparisons. Jesus ascended to heaven and people saw him no more. Elijah is about to ascend to heaven and people are going to see him no more. So he says, what do you want, Elisha? Before I'm out of here, is there anything you want? And here's what Elisha says. Hmm. I pray thee. Let a double portion of your spirit fall upon me. I want, I want twice the power you got. I want to do twice the miracles you did. Man, this guy was like, he was awesome. He's brave. He's like, you know, well, I just, since you asked, I'd like twice the power. And here's the promise that Elijah made. He says, well, you've asked a hard thing. Verse 10, nevertheless, if you see me, if your eyes are upon me when I ascend, when I'm taken from thee, 
It shall be so to you. But if not, it shall not be so. Wow. Elijah basically was saying to Elijah, if you want this double portion, you can have it. But the power that you want is linked to my ascension. That's what it's linked to. When you see me go. How does that tie into you and I in the New Testament? Well, the Holy Spirit is the Christian's promise that you and I plead for. That's the promise. When Jesus left, he didn't leave us with with nothing. He left us with the Holy Spirit. He said, when I ascend, I'm going to leave you with power through the Holy Spirit of God. Pray for it, beg for it, plead for it. It is my promise to you. Jesus said in Luke chapter number 24 and verse 49, And behold, I send the promise, the Holy Spirit of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them that he parted from them and he was carried up into heaven just like Elijah. And they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually praising God and blessing God in the temple. I love Acts chapter 2 verse 32 where it says that Jesus hath God raised up. Get this. God raised Jesus up and we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus went up, the Spirit came down. Hallelujah. What does this mean? It means a promise. When God called me into ministry, when God called pastor into ministry, he made us a promise. And the promise was this, Jared, Eric, You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to do this alone. I've made you a promise. And the promise is the Holy Spirit. When God called you to service, he made you a promise. Every usher here has a promise. You don't have to usher alone. Every every driver, every bus driver, you don't have to drive alone. Every teenager, you don't have to live life alone. You have the Holy Spirit of God available to you. It's a promise. And we should plead for that promise of spiritual power. We need the anointing and the power of God. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ apart from the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. 2 Kings chapter number 2, verse 11. This, my friends, is incredible. It says in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, it comes to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it. He saw it and he cries, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. He took hold of his clothes. He rent them in pieces. He takes up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. The same bank that Elijah had crossed with Elisha earlier in the passage. So he takes the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. And he smote the waters just like Elijah smote the waters. And said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he smote the waters, they parted. 
Can you imagine Elisha? He's like, it worked. It actually worked. I just did what Elijah did. I can only imagine what God's got in store. This double portion thing really worked just like it did earlier for Elijah. This morning, I ask you the same question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Let me tell you where he's at. He's in you. He's in me. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Christ lives again in us. When Jesus went up, the Spirit came down and the power of God was released. That's why we can do greater works. It's crazy. But Jesus said it himself. You can do greater works than I did. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. Jesus, I mean, like, you're the bomb. It's, there's no way. Jesus said, oh, no. You have no idea. With my Holy Spirit in you, whew, no wonder Billy Graham could preach to millions and see hundreds of thousands saved all around the world. It's crazy. It wasn't Billy Graham. It was the Holy Spirit in Billy Graham. Oh, listen, what is a disciple? And I close. Someone who realizes there's a person to please. Please Jesus above all others. There's a price to pay. There's no cheap way. There's no easy way. There's no lazy way to be a disciple. There's a purpose to pursue. No matter what obstacles there are, whatever the master says, we do, we go. There's a promise to plead. The promise of the Father is the power of the Holy Spirit. And number five, and lastly, in conclusion, there is a prize to possess. There's a prize. Oh, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I mean, it is worth it to serve the Lord Jesus. It pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. Now, let me explain. I've, I've had the privilege of getting some trinkets in my life, some prizes. In fact, it's interesting. The other day, <clears throat> my daughter, Chloe, who's a very talented young lady, she was, you know, a lot of... MVPs. She's 19 years old now. She's a sophomore Bible college. And, <coughs> excuse me, she, she came to me with this big old bucket of trophies. I mean, this was like a few weeks ago. And I mean, it was huge. And it was like all of her straight A trophies, all of her MVPs, all of her, you know, miss this, miss that, you know. And she gave them all to me from her high school career. And she said, here, daddy. I don't really want these anymore. And I'm like, honey, look at this. This is awesome. You're the best. Look what you've done. I, no, honey, we got to. She goes, daddy, they really don't mean anything. I mean, they're just a bunch of trinkets. And I got to thinking. That's about all I've gotten. This life, just a bunch of trinkets, things that'll burn things that get lost and broken. But you know, there is a prize that I do want. Can I tell you what that prize is? It's found in a promise made in Mark chapter number 10, verse 28. Can I read it to you? Here it is. Peter begins to say to him, here's what Peter said about being a disciple. Lord, you are so blessed to have me in your life. Lord, you have no idea how lucky you are that I am following you. Because, Lord, we've left all. I mean, we've left it all, God. I mean, we could have had a lot. But because of you, we have nothing. But it's okay. Don't, don't worry, God. We're okay with it. I mean, we're, 
we're poor and destitute in this life, but hey, you know what, Lord, as long as you understand how blessed you are to have, that's kind of what I, I read here. I mean, it's just, and this is OP, you know, I love it. And by the way, I'm, I'm not much different, okay? <laughs> I'm about like this too. So Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, and here's the prize I want to possess. There is no man, Jesus says, that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Get this, Peter. Get this, Eric. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Not, not just when you get to heaven. But in this life, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, and, and, and in the world to come, eternal life. You know what Jesus reminds us? No man follows me without being blessed a hundredfold in this life. How many of you feel blessed this morning? Hallelujah. Following Jesus, really, I mean, come on. Let, let, let's face it. This woe is me attitude about being a Christian. Well, I tell you, it's tough, you know. But praise God, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Can you imagine that introduction from America Patients? Well, it's good to be here. God bless you, folks. I tell you what, it's so hard to serve Jesus. Open your Bibles. It's going to be a tough one this morning. I just, you know, I just don't feel very good. But hey, you know what? I'm here. I, I came. We had 18 inches of snow. You're lucky to have me. I mean, I hope, I hope one by one you start walking out, honestly. The truth of the matter is, I am so blessed. I, ha I, am in, I am in Ohio, and I have had a place to stay that somebody, you paid for it. <laughs> Thank you. Really nice. And that pastor takes me out for a meal last night, and I'm sure you paid for that too, you know. And, and then, I, you know, I get up to this room, and there was a precious lady in this building. You should have seen the bedding I had at camp. No, seriously. I, it, the pillow was fluffy. The, the, the comforter was like this thick. No, I saw her loading it up into her car. And I asked Chris, was that the camp's comforter? Oh, no. No, one of our ladies brought that all the way from her house for you. I'm like, she doesn't even know me. And then I thought, no, no. I'm her brother. I'm her brother. She's my sister. I, I, I've got a house here. I've got land here. I've got family here. All because of following Jesus. The only people in the world that can go anywhere in the world and have family are Christ followers. You and I truly are never alone. But not just because we have Jesus, but because we have each other. Isn't this amazing? That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get you to realize that this thing of following Jesus is not really all that tough. Sure, there are a few persecutions. I get it. It's tough sometimes. There are some people that make fun of us. We, we, it, it can be difficult sometimes to, to, to wear our Christianity on the outside. I, I get that it's not always perfectly easy. But at the end of the day, church, we are blessed 100 fold now in this time. And guess what? The worst thing that can happen to us is we could die and go to heaven and spend an eternity with Jesus. So even if martyrdom comes, even if I'm burned at the stake, I mean, even if that happens, and it probably won't, but if it did, I just go to heaven. My point is this, is that there is a prize that Jesus promises 
to every disciple. So let me encourage you in closing. Would you join me this morning in this response? It's simple. It's a prayer. That's what it is. And the prayer is simply this. Lord, I don't just want to be a member of Monclova Road. Lord, I just don't want to be called a Christian. I want to be a disciple. A disciple of Jesus. If that's your heart's cry. And this morning, as we kind of have just a dedication prayer, and the piano plays as I, as I just pray over you this morning, I pray that God would draw all of us to a deeper relationship. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor, could you back up to that Christian part? I don't know that I've ever even taken that step yet. We had 10 or 12 young people at camp take that step this week. They actually became a Christian. They said yes to Jesus. They repented of their sin. They turned from their sin. They turned to Jesus and they cried out to God for salvation. Unashamedly, in front of all their peers, they came forward in front of all of their friends and said, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. If that's you and you've never been saved, then I would encourage you at some point, maybe in your seat or right after the service to see me or, or to see pastor or one of the pastors. And, and we would love to take a moment to share with you what it means to become a Christian. But if you are a Christian, then would you determine this morning, I'm not just satisfied with that. I want to go deeper. I want to become a true disciple of Jesus. Shall you bow your heads with me this morning?